The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're so excited to have you guys back. Welcome to 2018. Welcome to another year of the Work-Life Balance. And uh, we're hitting this year in stride. Uh, A lot of people are very, very cold uh, in the United States uh, as we single-digit, double-digit temperatures uh, across the United States, several of my friends that I talk to are digging out of snow. Uh, so we hope it's warm and toasty where you are, uh, but we're glad that you've joined us for another episode of the Work-Life Balance. we got a lot of exciting things planned for 2018, man. We hit 2018 already uh, running, um, already starting to uh, fill up our speaking calendar. So we will uh, let you guys know about how that uh, is coming along and keep you guys uh, posted on that. We've got some exciting guests that are going to be coming up uh, in the future shows here. We've got John Gates that are going to be on the show, uh, Paul Cummings, uh, Nicole Tabulio is going to be on. We've got Scott Ambler is going to be on the show. We've got a repeat performance from Todd Nesliny. Uh, if you've heard that one uh, in the past, we're going to be doing another live show from John Maxwell. Uh, we've got uh, Coop Coopersmith going to be on the, the show. So we've got a lot of fantastic guests lined up, a lot of cool things coming. But I thought I would start... Uh, 2018 with just me and just uh, kind of back to the way the show originally started. And I wanted to share uh, just some thoughts and journeys as as I had time to reflect at the end of uh, 2017. I always take the last uh, week of the year off. Uh, there's some special uh, days in there for my family. It's my daughter's birthday. Of course, we have Christmas and New Year's. Uh, but I always like to take that last week off and just really reflect on what the year uh, meant to me, as well as, you know, what did I learn and, and uh, you know, what do I see for the upcoming year? And as I was doing that, I would say the overwhelming trend for me in 2017 professionally was my journey through Agile. And, uh, you know, we've done a few shows on Agile, but I wanted to to kind of, you know, wrap my head around this topic a little bit more. And and trust me, we're not going to be doing Agile and the definition of Agile. So if you guys are already starting to roll your eyes, please stay with me because uh, I promise this is going to be a lot more fun than that. But, you know, I see things in in life cycles and and I see a lot of cycles um, in IT. I see a lot of cycles in business and, and we're in the midst of a cycle right now with Agile and Agile transformations. And so... My journey through Agile began when uh, a few years ago, uh, I bumped into a couple of people that were on the forefront of this new methodology. And they, you know, were saying things like, uh, you know, we can't tell you when we're going to be done because we're Agile. Um, I can't tell you how much it's going to cost because we're Agile. And the biggest one that I ran into was, um, hey, we don't need project management anymore because we're Agile. And obviously, as a project manager for 20 some odd years, that was very scary to me. And a lot of things that they were saying didn't seem right to me. It didn't, it didn't sound right to me. And so what I decided to do is, is start a certification journey and really understand this methodology. And so in this past year, uh, I, I went and got my uh, ACP, uh, so Agile Certified Practitioner through PMI. Uh, I became what's known as a Certified Scrum Agile Master, which is a deep dive into 17 different methodologies. I got my SAFE certification, um, and so really just did a deep dive in all these different methodologies so that I could understand what was happening. And then right at the end of the year, and I won't say the company, but what was interesting is one of the companies that came up to us and said, hey, we're agile now, we don't need project management. That was literally, I want to say, four years ago um, that they told us that. Um, I got a news article from a friend uh, of how poorly they're doing. Um, several of the the uh, stores are closed. 
Um, a lot of people are being laid off, and it looks like a brand that's been around for quite some time is now going away. And that gave me pause because, you know, again, this whole adaptation of, you know, we're going all in on this one methodology. It's the only way to go. Um, and uh, the end result. And that that wasn't a problem with Agile. It was a problem with the Agilist, and it was a problem with the way that they did the implementation. So I wanted to start to dive in a little bit further on some of the details. And really, this speech and this these thoughts started to bubble up for me when I started to do some reflection. And really what that is, is that, you know, look, change is hard. But you can't simply change the words and, and, and all of a sudden behavior changes. And so that's what I'm seeing first and foremost any, in these, some of these large-scale agile transformations. They think that if they adopt new words or new terminology, that all of a sudden they're going to get different results. But, but the biggest thing is you have to change behavior. Like, for instance, if I want to lose weight – I can't simply say, well, I'm going to now deem sugar as a vegetable and therefore I'm going to lose weight. It doesn't work that way. I, I can't keep doing the same thing I'm doing, change a terminology, and then expect different results. You, you have to change behavior with it. And when I started to do that reflection, I was journaling and, and something popped in my head. And it's actually an old comedy routine. And it was done by George Carlin. It was done several years ago, but it, it is always stuck in my head. And it, he did this comedy routine, uh, which was beautifully done. And of course, it had a lot of social commentary around it uh, about euphemisms. And, and, you know, a euphemism is simply the substitution of an agreeable or inoffensive expression for one that may offend or suggest something. And he, he went through this whole tirade. Um, and so, for instance, he he brings up, and this is George Carlin, this isn't me, but he brings up that the fact in, in the Bible, it says that Jesus healed the cripples. Yeah, the, the, that's a term that's deemed offensive now, that we can't say the word cripple. You don't use the word cripple. We, we now call them physically challenged. And that it's not handicapped, it's handicapable. And, and, and he goes through all of these. He even says, you know, one of my favorite ones he used to use uh, that, that he brings up is how airlines talk. And the fact that they say pre-board. And he goes, what is that, boarding before you get, you know, before you board? Is that boarding before you board? Why do we use pre-board? Um, but the, the point's still made. He, you know, he says it, at some point in our lives, toilet paper became bathroom tissue. And, and none of us were consulted. It just became a nicer term, an easier term. And, and I feel like somewhat agile can be somewhat of a euphemism for a lot of the things that are happening. And I, I get that, and I, I, I'm deriving at that based on how um, things were perceived and presented to me when I went through training. When I went through training um, – I was told that, you know, project management's very command and control and that agile is very open in that, you know, in agile, the teams make all the decisions and, you know, it's very light and fluffy. And I started to get this picture in my brain as I was going through training that, you know, all project managers are just, you know, huge Godzilla lizards that are just walking through and crushing and, and killing cities and doing stuff like that. And, and, Everybody that's working in Agile are just simply, you know, butterflies and it, living in these communal farms and everybody smiles all day at each other. And it's it, it's always sunny out and, and it's always perfect weather when you're working Agile. But if you're working in, you know, standard project management, you're in this industrial factory and there's smokestacks coming out and, and life is horrible and it's command and control and the big boss comes out with a cigar and stumps on you. You know, I, and I'm sitting there listening through these training classes going, that's not what I know. But that's the way they're like training people. And I'm sitting there going, man, if I was a brand new developer or a brand new person to, and this is my introduction into IT, that's not – you know, what I know, that's, that's not how I know these things. So, you know, uh, so the whole euphemism thing came up, to, you know, for me, the way people were trained, the way people are using things. And so I, I found a few euphemisms of my own. So if, if you guys know Agile, or if you know project management, what's funny is, is, 
is as I was going through all of these agile discussions, it was interesting to see what was happening in in agile land. Um, so, for instance, they were training and they said, you know, one of the first steps that you do is big room planning. And big room planning is where we all get together and decide what the objectives are that, that we're going to be accomplishing. And I was like, yeah, that sounds a whole lot like a work breakdown structure session. And they say, yeah, and then we have these things called retrospectives. And that's where we all get together and discuss, you know, what worked, what didn't work, how can we improve, how can the team gel and that kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like lessons learned. That, that's a technique that we've had in project management. And they say, yeah, we have these things called stand-ups where we get together and, um, you know, we, we stand up and we say, um, this is what we did. This is what we're going to do. And th- these are the impediments that are in our way. And I was like, golly, that sounds a whole lot like a status. And, uh, you know, we have scrum masters, though. And then that's what we have. And I was like, well, that's kind of the project manager. And I was like, so what you've done is you've taken all the ceremonies that have worked for ages We've wrapped them up in new names, changed the rules a little bit, and we call it a new methodology. <clears throat> Excuse me. I said, but that, uh, so we've come up with a bunch of new words. They sound nicer. We've described a methodology that's butterflies and communal living, and it's sunny always. How is that going to work? And that's where the rub comes in. And my point being is I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just a different language. But my point in, in going through this and in, in, in learning this and reflecting on this is that these techniques have been around for years. So why have the other techniques not worked? Why have the other things not worked and Agile starting to take hold? Well, first of all, Agile is sold as that you know the team makes decisions. Well, there's still got to be strategy to the organization. At the end of the day, you still have to track somewhat to cost. You still have to have funding for value. It can't be just wild, wild west and everybody decide. There's still customers. There's still requirements. There's still accountability. So, again, as we're changing these words and as we're changing these terms, and everybody's got a little bit of a different term depending on which flavor of agile you're going after, there's still got to be something that clicks and works. And so we're going to dive into what that something is. And I'm also going to talk about, though, um, what really has been around for years and what we keep kind of playing around with and also kind of what has led us to this agile boom. What are some of these cycles that have led us here? So we hope that you hang around with us, continue to talk about agile. Hey, call in, chime in. I'd love to hear from you as as we kick off 2018. You're listening to Rick Morris of the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late, on budget is now too expensive, and today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality. So you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management. From CA. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? 
In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance. We appreciate you tagging along on this Friday afternoon as we're discussing Agile and just some of my reflections on the journey I went through this past year and in, in trying to tie it all together with, with everything that uh, you know I'd learned uh, throughout my career in, in, in grabbing on to what's really happening in the industry with Agile. And, and look, so I want to make sure that, that we're clear that I'm not negative towards Agile. I think it's a phenomenal thing. And anything that an organization is going to grab on to to change behavior, let's go. Let's do it. Um, but I just want to make sure that that we're being clear also that it's not this this new thing or this latest greatest model that is, you know, the it's brand new and never been done before. Um, and I wanted to talk through cycles now, too, of kind of maybe what has led us to this point. Because um, if you look at it, first of all, I mean, almost everything that's coming out now in any of these methodologies really um, over over the last, I want to say, almost 80 years is is coming either, you know, from an adapted model of, of Walter Schuhart or Deming, right? So Deming actually adapted his model uh, uh, from Walter Schuhart, and, and you've got uh, the plan, do, check, act model. And, I mean, PMI is built off of that, and, and you know, Six Sigma's got some of that, either, you know, Kaizen and all of that is is built into that. But essentially, you know, you've got a, a four-stage model that says we're going to plan, we're going to do, we're going to check, and then we're going to act on that piece. And, and essentially now all we're working with is the cycles and the waste in between. Now, one of the coolest things I learned on, you know, Agile is, is again, though, that's coming out of Lean and Lean Six Sigma, um, is is how to reduce, you know, work cues and values and the fact that, you know, in projects, one of the biggest flaws is that we try to plan every task, you know, two years in advance, and then we get ticked off if there's changes to that. You know, how clairvoyant can you be? But the the point being here is there's frustration. And the frustration is is that there's continually missed targets, there's continually missed budgets, and something's got to change. And so if you look at the evolution of IT, I mean, when when IT really first started coming out, we're talking 60s and 70s, we, we consider that the dark ages of IT, if you look at the cycle. And look... Business would come in, they'd describe a problem, and then they would just sit and wait. And it, it took whatever it took. People didn't really understand what was happening. We had limited technology. And and you were just at the mercy of IT. It just kind of was what it was. And then you started to move into kind of a stage two, which started to develop, you know, around the, the 80s, uh, the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, we considered that kind of a tokenism period. And, and so basically though we were just redeveloping the apps that were that were already created, the, the applications and systems to take advantage of new database technology. Networks were coming out. We were able to start to to really start to to use some of the, the technology that was available. But then stage three came around and this is late eighties and it's really kind of the payback period. And so this is after years of frustration, lack of control. Some landmark books came out by you know Charles Handy and Peter Drucker, Tom Peters. And senior management just started to look at how they were investing in computers and systems and, and turned it into a cost center. And it started to lead to a lot of these top-down 
approaches and controlled approaches of IT. And that's been leading us to this stage four, which is the the partnership model. And people have been trying to figure out this partnership model for a while. And, and partnership is supposed to be a shared recognition between business and, and IT, where you know IT is not a cost center but revenue generating. And and we're starting to see some really good signs of that now. Um, and, and you're seeing the ones that do it well. And, and the ones that aren't, the ones that are doing well, we're starting to see that being marked by what we call digital disruption uh, in the aspect of social media. The ones that are figuring out how to partner their IT departments and their business very well are the ones that are, are digitally disrupting industries that have been doing these top-down management approaches forever. And that's where Agile is really getting the buzz, Right. I mean, to be fair, Agile is getting the buzz is the adaptability to the market, the reaction to the consumer, the speed to market, to be able to react. And people are trying to figure that out. But the problem is, is you've got some of these companies that have been running top down and command and control for so long that, you know, you're turning the Titanic. You can't really adjust as quickly as some of these newer, leaner startup models. And that's where you hear, uh, we have this startup mentality. Well, the startup mentality just means, in all honesty, really a lot of decentralized decision-making. They've got models in place where Agile can thrive because they've decentralized so much decision, so many decisions that it's easier for them to make. So the, the issue becomes, you know, if we're this large, huge conglomerate organization, how do we start to decentralize or trust a lot of our employees to be able to make these decisions? That, to me, though, has nothing to do with Agile. That has to do with management philosophies and, and trusting your knowledge workers and understanding that, you know, that, that's the whole point of me creating a show called The Work-Life Balance and trusting your employees. And, and, and that's been something we've been pushing, you know, for 15 years now. That's not Agile and new and cool. That's just trusting your your smartest people in the room to, to do what they do. But at the same time, again, coming back to the topic at hand, right, what's the answer? What, how, how is, you know, why is Agile really taking hold? Well, first of all, let's talk about the things I like. One of the coolest things that, that I think is, is taking hold of Agile and, and why I think it's becoming very successful is, is that it does have a very clear contract. If you do it well and you do it right, let me, let me boil all of the, the big talk and all the training and all the other stuff down to a very, very simple covenant. That covenant says that regardless of everything that's going on, we're going to allow you to change as much as you want to change. But once we commit to a sprint, which is a two-week interval or a three-week interval, a four-week interval, whatever you guys have decided at your company, but most likely it's a two-week interval, you don't change it. So basically, the covenant is between an executive and either the product owner, scrub master, whatever, that simply says, once we commit to this line of work, then this team gets to focus for two weeks and just produce that work. So essentially what we're saying is limit the interruptions, allow them to focus, and produce value. With that being said, that one covenant, if you can achieve that, can actually change an entire organization. I mean, let's boil everything else down and whether you're talking about story points and estimation and all this other crud, that's what it really comes down to is whether or not you can get the executives to say once we commit to this sprint – it's not going to change, and we agree we can change future sprints, and we can add requirements, and we can do all this other stuff. But essentially, and I think we need to make T-shirts that just simply say, don't touch my sprint. Because once that sprint is committed, it's done. See, the problem is, in traditional project management, is that those are 18-month projects. And we try to do all the definition and planning in the very first few weeks, well, things do change in 18 months. Markets do react in 18 months. And the fact that we think we can be clairvoyant enough to identify all of the work and figure out how much it's going to cost. So essentially, using a lean Six Sigma model, if you're reducing the work queues and you're reducing the cyclical time to say, we're going to basically fund a quarter and we're going to fund a team, not a project, 
and we're going to work in two-week sprints and increments. And once we commit, that's what we're going to do. Then it's amazing what you actually can accomplish. That has been the promise of Agile. However, where I think Agile goes off the rails is when the very first entry point is, you know, somebody coming in and saying, well, the first thing you need to do is train every single person in this entire organization in Agile. That group is selling you training. They're not really selling you a methodology or they're not really selling you a, a way to be successful. To me, they're just selling you training. So I'm always been, I was wary of that in Six Sigma, right? I, I don't know what value there was in Six Sigma to have, you know, GE did that where, you know, everybody in, in GE needs to be, you know, yellow belt certified. Well, look, you know, 60%, 70% of those people never even cared. They, they click, 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 click. Yeah, pass the test, yeah, I'm yellow belt. There was no value in that. Your higher value was in the people that were really going after the black belts and the master black belts. Same thing here. People just want to be able to come in, clock in, do what they want to do and get out. So, you know, committing to the entire organization to be agile, you know, trained top to bottom, I think is nuts. But again, that's my opinion. And I'm allowed to say it because I have my own radio show and get a chance to air my opinion for 60 minutes a week. But the point being, anybody who just comes in and says, let's train everybody top to bottom is selling training. That's what they're selling. It's not necessarily the promise of a new day. It's selling training. That's what they're doing. But these cycles have continued and their cycles are all based on the same piece, right? We're all still doing plan, do, check, act. But I really think what's happening now is through the evolution of IT, people are we're still at this stage four of partnership and still trying to figure it out. The ones that have figured it out, digital disruptors. The ones that haven't figured out are starting to fade away. And I think we really need to pay attention to some of these trends. So having said all of that, right? So now I've gotten out my training. I've gotten out what I think is happening out there, how I think we got here. What I want to do next is start to reveal to you some of the key trends that I'm seeing in Agile and what I think some of the big pushes are going to be. And even some of the things that are pretty advanced uh, as far as when you start to talk about um, why we got here, how people are looking at some of the tools and some of the advanced uses of tools with Agile. So we're going to be doing that right after the break. You've been listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. We're talking Agile. We'll be right back. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA Project and Portfolio Management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. 
Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back to the work-life balance. Uh, before we go forward, I did have a couple of shout-outs. We, you, we do want to uh, promote, make sure that we are promoting the Agile Almanac Book 2, which you can find at Amazon or at greatpmgr, the number 8pm.com. Uh, we've been blown away uh, by the response to that book, and we, we're certainly appreciative to all of you that are reaching out to us. Um, that book continues to sell very, very well. Again, there was 12 different authors uh, talking about Agile and scaling Agile to the enterprise um, and we're very excited about how that book has been performing. Um, also wanted to uh, say thank you to uh, John Deaver of Cinepair. Uh, if you go to our rsquaredconsulting.com uh, website, uh, there's a new video there on the front page uh, that he uh, helped us put together. Uh, and if you follow us on social media, all the videos that we've been putting out uh, via PM Minute and, and all the other ones have been done by Cinepair. Uh, they do a fantastic job. We appreciate the partnership with them. I did want to react to a question uh, that I did just receive on Twitter, though. Uh, one of the questions was, you know, um, Agile seems to be more successful than not and wanted me to respond on that. And, it, and I think that that's true. Um, Agile, I think it's like anything else. I think it's like a diet program. You know, as you walk through the the aisles of a, of a grocery store, you, you know, you see all the Us magazines and People magazines and all that stuff, and, and it's just littered with – Diets that work, right? Here's all the diets that work. Here's every diet program that works. Um, but it's the same thing I think I said earlier, which is if you don't change the behavior, um, it doesn't matter what diet plan you're you're trying to, to follow. Um, you have to change your behaviors uh, for it to work. And I think for every person that they throw on the cover and, and cover of uh, uh, us and people and for every great diet story – there's, you know, 40 stories that nobody's going to read about the, the, where those diets and probably 400 stories that diets don't work. And uh, I think it's uh, January 5th, which means there's probably about 3.7 million people in the United States that have already failed their New Year's resolutions on diets. So, um, yeah, I think Agile is very successful if, if there's a commitment uh, to the behavior. I think any methodology is really successful if there's commitment to the behavior. And, and I say that coming from somebody who implements, you know, systems for a living. Um, you know, a lot of people look at the software uh, that, that we sell and the implementations that we do as the cure-all for their, for their issues. And, and software is not going to solve, you know, core business issues that you're having. And, and one of my favorite things to say is that we, we want to design to the 95%, not the 5 and what I mean by that is, you know, most of our organizations already know that, you know, there's 5% of the company that are, are off the rails or aren't going to, you know, follow processes or, or that they're, they're problem children. And versus dealing with those 5%, they want us to design, you know, in our software a way to deal with them, you know, in the system. And I'm like, why Why do we need to, to put in all these checks and balances and notifications and all this stuff into the software that's going to hinder the other 95% and their jobs just because you don't want to deal with the 5%? Yeah, I, I don't ever get that. It, and it's kind of the same thing that, that has evolved, you know, IT and IT departments. If you look at IT in their evolution and we went through the, the four stages but just look at how they formed and even though IT is supposed to be a cohesive group and a, a revenue generating group they, they really don't run as cohesive departments uh, they, they run as functions and then those functions tend to run on their own and 
they, they tend to then, you know, work on their own and develop their own systems. And then those systems don't talk to each other. So, for instance, you, you have a support group. And that support group generally uses a, a help desk tool. And, you know, they open tickets, track issues, and, and that kind of thing. And those issues could have development things. Well, then your development team uses some sort of agile tool. So they're using Agile Central or using version one or Jira, something like that. They want to work in their system. And then your finance department has their big ERP. Um, and then, you know, you've got then your project management team. And so they're either doing things by spreadsheets or whatever. But at some point, all this information has got to compile and compare. And so, you know, if a ticket opens up in support, that needs to easily flow over to your development. That has to get into your planning. Your project managers need to have things that easily go to development. Developers got to do that. All that's got to tie together. But for years, people have been buying different tools that satisfy just their need. And now there's this huge integration issue that's happening within um, platforms. And so... When we enter an organization and we're looking at, you know, IT as a whole and as a business, uh, you start dealing with, well, you know, this faction's not going to want to use it and that faction's not going to want to use it. So this is just for us. And I think that that is something that is is really the next frontier uh, of IT and Agile. And so I think one of the biggest promises of Agile in in, in terms of methodologies, it's forcing IT to not look at only how they plan and operate, but also how they do DevOps. And, and that's such a large component of being agile. I think one of the favorite quotes I uh, ever heard uh, came from Kurt Steinle. And he's the uh, product manager uh, for CAPPM, which we're very proud to have CA as a sponsor for us. And he asks all the time, are you doing agile or are you doing agile theater? And, and when you ask, what do you mean? And he says, well, you know, if you're doing agile, that means, you know, you're you're fully ready to de- develop and deploy code all the way to production. And that can mean even releasing code prior to, you know, the sprint end date. You you release on demand that, that's fully developed and deployed and ready to go. Agile theater means you, you've just created agile teams, but... You know, you're just developing code in an agile way, but if you can't deploy it and impact that in a valuable way to your customer, then that's agile theater. Um, and because you know, so many IT groups are so um, chopped up, I think that that's you know a big piece. I think one of the other things that that we're running into and we see quite a bit out there is the the lack of um, readiness to to commit to the methodology. And again, that's that's the same point that we were just making is unless you change behavior. So for instance, you know, we see a lot of customers that say we want to go agile, uh, but we still want everybody to track time. And I, you know, and that's crazy for me uh, because up to two years ago, I would have told you unless everybody in the organization is tracking time, then you're, you're not going to get to the productivity numbers that you need to. So I was big, 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 big on time tracking. And I still am, unless you have a way in which you can track productivity numbers and things of that sort. But in Agile, you, you have that way. You know, you have committed sprints, committed story points, and then, well, they're not, they got completed in velocity numbers and things of that sort. So, and there's even ways um, that you can derive costs. We can even capitalize by story point, things like that. And if you want to see how to do that, you can pick up the Agile Almanac Volume 2, we uh, Book 2, we talk about exactly that, how to capitalize and, and do capital and expense by story point within the book. But coming back to the specific point, you know, we, we talk to clients who say, yeah, we're agile, but we want them all to fill out timesheets. And we're like, what the, the, then that's not an agile practice. I mean, then you're, you're having to break out the, the, you know, teams to individual people. They have to track times to specific tasks. That's, that's such not an agile practice that that's not really agile. So are we going agile or aren't we? I mean, if we're going agile, then it's team-based, team reporting, team productivity, um, and we're all going that way, um, or we're not, right? But it's not, we can't just dip the toe in the water. We're either committing to the methodology and going for it, or we're not. Um, so it, it's no different than, you know, and I'll beat this analogy to death, 
Um, no different than, hey, I'm going on a sugar-free diet except for the three slices of chocolate cake that I'm going to eat at night. You know, it's, it, you're either committed to it and you're going to go after it or you're not. But those are the same people that's going to turn around and go, yeah, we tried Agile, but it didn't work. And I tried the diet, but I didn't see results. So I'm off that, you know, sugar-free diet. It's like, yeah, but did you ever really go sugar-free? Yeah, I don't drink except for, you know, the the bottle of wine at night. Come on. You're either in or you're out. Um, but But you can't have it both ways. So hopefully that answered the question, and I know I went on a little bit more of a tirade than I anticipated, but it's a good question. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, and, and but that leads to to the bigger um, discussion here as well, and, and we've got a little bit of time to deal with it. As as you're changing, and we talked about euphemisms, we talked about the cycle. Um, the, there is the other big elephant in the room with agile, and that's when people start talking about story points. And I always refer to one of my favorite conversations I had with an Agilist as we were trying to convert things to cost. And we said, you know, it's story points, it's two-week sprint, so we're going to infer 80 hours per person, multiply that by a cost to get to a cost. And she said she can't do that. And so why? So, well, we do things by story points. Well, I get that, but we still have to infer this to a cost. Well, you can't do that. Why? Because we do it by story points. And I was like, yeah. So a long story short, I came back to her and I was like, well, then can I cut you a check in story points? Right? Can we pay you in story points? And and so I think that there is the commitment to methodology. There you can't dip a toe in the water, but there is still translation that has to happen. So I think the largest trend that we're going to be looking at, especially in 2018, is the emergence of hybrid. And hybrid is going to be the the emergence of the proper hybrid and the translation. Because at the end of the day. You can't go to a CFO and show them a report of story points. They've still got to see dollars. At the end of the day, a company is still going to fund initiatives, right? Whether you call it a project, whether you call it features, whether you call it you know backlog, whatever, there's still got to be, we are paying X amount of dollars to get X amount of value out. What I love is the fact that we're not necessarily funding projects anymore. Um, we may not be funding you know people or funding teams, but I do like the fact that everything is starting to lean towards value. What is the amount of money that we're funding? What's the amount of value that we're getting in return? Because if we start to use the term value and we really start to um, translate that term value, then IT can be referred to as value. And I really think that that becomes um, that euphemism that works in our favor. So instead of it trying to be always happy-go-lucky and change all these different terms, if we can get the term out of IT being a cost center and it being a value center, and this is the value of the project, this is the value of the work, this is the value of the deliverable, then I think when it comes time for funding and time for budgets and everything else, then things are starting to be seen in a whole different light. And that's one of the most important things I think that we can go after. So I know we've covered quite a bit. Um, we've covered the evolution of IT. We've covered the evolution of my view of Agile. We've even come up with some euphemisms. So if all of that has confused you, hey, it's been that kind of Friday for me as well. But I'm welcome to fielding your questions, answering the phones, anything is that you guys have. But we've got one final segment. We're going to do that next right here on the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late, on budget is now too expensive, and today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality so you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management from CA. 
Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CA PPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged all while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA project and portfolio management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back for the final segment of the Work-Life Balance uh, for the first show of 2018. And we're already hitting 2018 running. We're going to be in uh, Louisville, Kentucky next week. Uh, I believe the 21st and 22nd, we're going to be doing some keynotes for Civitan International right here in Birmingham. Uh, But we'll be working with that organization. Uh, We'll be in Nashville the week of the 29th. Uh, It got a lot of exciting. And then, of course, I'm sorry, but February 16th, uh, we'll be going back to Orlando to be with the the international certification with the John Maxwell team. So a lot of exciting travel coming up. A lot of exciting events coming up, so we hope that you'll hang out with us for all of those. And again, upcoming shows, we're actually going to do a panel interview um, next week. Uh, we've got a, a new book coming out. We had John on the show with uh, How Leaders Improve uh, previously, uh, but we're going to get uh, uh, Jeff Grady and, and uh, I believe it's Sasha uh, Lindikins. I, I hope I said her name right, but we'll make sure we get it right for next week. We have uh, uh, Steve Williams uh, and John Gates on the show. Uh, discussing their book and their research on uh, how leaders improve. Um, so that'll be uh, coming up uh, next week. Uh, we'll also have uh, uh, Paul Cummings, which has got he's got a great book that was just uh, released uh, by Wiley. Be discussing about that uh, on the show January nineteenth, uh, uh, and then we'll have one of the co-authors of the Agile Almanac. Uh, Nicole is going to be joining us on January twenty sixth. Uh, and then looking forward as well, February 2nd, we're going to have, uh, as we, we're doing this Agile show, uh, we've booked uh, Scott Ambler, who um, is really uh, uh, the founder in, in uh, uh, Discipline Agile. Uh, he's got a great consulting practice around that. We've had some fantastic conversations, Scott and I, uh, around this very topic that I was discussing today. So can't wait to have him on the show. Uh, and I've already prepped him that I was going to throw a lot of these uh, comments that, that that I've got around Agile and would love to hear uh, how he reacts and responds uh, to some of the things that I've heard in the open market. Um, so with that, uh, we've appreciated everybody hanging around uh, with us. Um, you know, and I wanted to give some closing uh, comments uh, around Agile. Look, I love the fact, um, the greatest thing about Agile, I'll say this, is that there seems to be a lot of passion around it. And to see um, uh, passion and ownership uh, within the development world and developers around it, that I, I completely enjoy. So regardless of, you know, if you want me to, the whatever methodology you want me to call it, if there's passion around planning, there's passion around um, understanding, you know, what each other is doing and supporting each other in a team environment, I'm all on board. Um, the communication around it and some of those ceremonies built, if they're bought into and people are really doing it and, and really getting value out of it um, as a teamwork-based um, system, I think there's tremendous value in that as well. Those are some of the biggest things 
uh, that I'm catching, as well as, as I said before in the earlier segment, the covenant um, between executives and developers in making sure that we're not touching the sprint uh, and that we actually can focus and achieve and accomplish something versus trying to do 17 projects at once. When I started the work-life balance, in, in one of my biggest you know runs for the last 20 years is the fact that I think the number one issue that faces almost every organization on the planet is you got too many projects, not enough people. And so I don't care what we call the methodology and I don't care how we structure a methodology. As long as our biggest focus is that we are focusing on the people who actually do the work for our companies. We've got way, way, way too much work planned. And and what happens without any kind of methodology or portfolio management is that companies try to start and do every project and they don't finish any of them well. So, again, I don't care what you call it as long as there is a profound focus that's protecting our most precious our most precious resources, which are the people that do the work, right? Those are the people that are going to give you the results. So don't sit in some stuffy room and sit there with some spreadsheet and decide people's futures or go, oh, yeah, they can be 180% allocated. Everybody's over-allocated. Who cares? Because that is truly what's going to disrupt your organization, and that's truly what's going to be the detriment to your organization. If you treat people with respect, you treat people for the knowledge that they can bring, you're really going to reap the rewards. And if you want to call that agile, and if you want to develop a methodology that's going to expound on who they are and what they can provide for you, then that's where the success is. So if agile is is the answer to that for you and your organization, then I'm on board. Let's rock. Let's call it. If you want to call it you know, some floop-de-doo thing, then I'm with that as well. But the point being is that that people at, at the end of the day is is where the success or failure of your organization is going to be and how you treat and respect them is where the success or failure is going to be for your organization. And that's it. Methodologies aside, what you call it aside, that's what it's going to be. And that was the point of the work-life balance in the first place and why I started to do this radio show is to expose this listening audience not only to different methodologies and different thoughts but also to, to people that were going to to expose us to different ways of doing things, to leadership, to uh, different aspects, and, and we'll hopefully continue to do so throughout 2018 if you continue to bless us with the opportunity to fill the airwaves. So I have appreciated this audience. I appreciate the, the following and the love that we get um, uh, on Twitter and, and Facebook and LinkedIn and all of the other things. Uh, please continue to reach out to us. It's at Rick A. Morris. You can find me at rick.a.morris and LinkedIn. You can find me at Facebook at the same as well. Um, always reach out to uh, rickamorris.com and you can find all of us on social media there. Um, we also post our calendar where we're going to be on rickamorris.com. So if we're going to be speaking and in, in, in we're near you, please come find us. Let us know that you listen to the show. Uh, we're also working on um, – getting the show out on Alexa so it can be uh, on the podcast there. So listen for that announcement shortly as that should be done any moment. Uh, and we've got some exciting announcements that we'll be releasing across the uh, show over the next couple of weeks. So again, reach out to us. We love you guys. And we'll talk to all of you next week right here on the Work-Life Balance. You've been listening to Rick Morris. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. 